As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome back to Full Time with Meg Linehan. I'm Meg, and as always, you are listening to a show all about women's soccer on the Athletic Podcast Network. Now, on today's show, I'm talking to Susie Perkowski, head of women's team sports at Octagon and a former co-worker of mine back in the NWL days. But we're going to talk about the NWL sponsorships, the growth of the league, the role of an agency like Octagon in women's sports, really how all of these things connect, how the landscape of women's sports is now seeing this huge influx of money, we, we got into some deep stuff, but it wouldn't also be the two of us if we didn't throw in some sneaker talk as well, since that is a pretty significant chunk of what we text each other about. But before we get to the rest of today's episode, as always, to show your support of full time, plus get all of our women's soccer coverage and everything else The Athletic has to offer on our site and app, you can subscribe right now at theathletic.com slash full time. All right, on to the news. Ida Hegerberg is back on the squad with Norway for the first time in five years and back on the playing field with Lyon after a long injury layoff, of course. But our Katie Wyatt over on the UK desk has a huge feature on what this means with her relationship with the Federation, how she got pulled back in, the nuance of her protest over gender equality. The link is in the show notes. Definitely give it a read. Also on the Lyon front, Champions League action was back this week and Lyon with a surprising result against Juventus after allowing two goals to the Italian side. Following a red card to defender L.A. Carpenter, Katerina Macario scored the opener for Lyon, but it ended up 2-1 in favor to Juventus. PSG was on the winning side of another 2-1 scoreline over Bayern. Real Madrid had a first-half lead over Barcelona, but Alexia and Barcelona, unsurprisingly, came back for a 3-1 win. And Arsenal pulled off an 89th-minute equalizer against Wolfsburg to finish their match with a 1-1 scoreline. Second-leg fixtures for the quarterfinals will take place on March 30th and 31st. Also, Angel City FC has the first club anthem in the NWSL, courtesy of their sponsor, Johnny Walker slash Jane Walker. Same thing. Um, good timing for the story, considering this discussion I'm about to have with Susie that you're going to hear in a few minutes. But I've also got the story on how this anthem came to be at The Athletic. But it's part of the brand's first strides program. That's kind of an extension of what they've been doing the whole time, along with their partnership with Angel City. Um, in addition to the club anthem, which is called Running with the Angels, written and performed by Brittany Howard, which is personally a huge get, I think, um, and Tia P. 
First Rise also includes grants through iFundWomen. That's what their 10% of their sponsorship with Angel City goes to and Black Tag as well. I just, I honestly find it fascinating that sponsors aren't just embracing the social responsibility part that everyone now expects, especially within this NWSL world, but we now actually have this other major example of a brand going out of its way to support the NWSL, right? Like this was not in their sponsorship contract at all. There's one other major example I can think of, but I'm going to bring that up with Susie in a few. Now, if you haven't actually heard this anthem, we've got the whole thing for you here. Like, it's good. It's good. I think the bar is set pretty high now for the rest of the NWSL club, so give it a listen. Yes, beautiful people. Do you know what's better than putting on for your city? Is your city putting on for you? Uh, yeah, the city putting on for you. Yeah, see the real recognize the truth. Huh? And now you, and now I'm, and now I'm running with the So Susie Protowski is head of the women's team sports division at Octagon, and she has been around the women's sports game for a long time. She's also a former D1 athlete herself. Again, we were co-workers back at the NWSL, so that's how I know her and was able to, to drag her on the show. But since I want to dig into what exactly the head of the women's team sports division does, let's just get right on into it. Honestly, just want to start. Can you explain your role at Octagon? Because I feel like head of teams, women's team sports, right? Like I can kind of guess what the role actually entails, but I'm really curious to see what your approach to it, like what your kind of day to day is like. Yeah, it it changes uh, on a day to day basis in large part because when we created this job and when I took this job, our the the my overarching intention was to 
leverage all of Octagon's respective resources, leverage my network and make systemic change within women's sports. And that's obviously very broad in nature. So I do a bunch of different things. I'm kind of the tip of the spear for our, for our female talent, especially our young and emerging female talent and really helping them to kind of build strong foundational partners and, and what their broader brands are, are going to be and what and who and how they represent in the landscape. Uh, on the brand side, I speak to brands and I work with brands on how and where they can involve, get involved within women's sport. Obviously, there's a lot of nuance that exists within women's sport and historically brands haven't prioritized it. So really understanding the landscape and how and where they should invest. Um, I'm doing that internally as well as externally. And then on the property side, it can look a lot of different ways, but you know, it, a great example is what I'm doing with the PHF where we are helping them to build a truly sustainable long-term league that is ultimately going to make the lives of the women, the professional women's hockey players of this generation, as well as the next generation, um, ensure that they have a place that they can go and, and compete at a very high level and be treated as professionals. And, and we are helping them to build that in a really sustainable way. So it's not just kind of a traditional agency relationship where we, you know, go and sell for them. We are helping them to create systems and infrastructure to be the solution long-term. And, and ideally that, you know, ultimately we get to a place where it's one solution, but um, we'll, we'll see how that all plays out. But um, essentially whatever a woman's property needs, be it one that's very established or emerging, um, you know, filling whatever gaps they need. And then some of it falls outside of that. So um, just continuing to kind of enmesh myself within women's sports more broadly and more holistically and seeing how and where I and we can elevate it. Yeah, I mean, I think it is really interesting just because even the landscape from when you and I were at NWL has already changed so drastically, right? Like, and I think that a, a place like Octagon obviously has come into the NWL too in order to help the NWL. It's not just uh, PHF; like, there are other connections with other leagues as well. It's more than just players. Like, all of these different patches of the landscape are finally starting to like grow these connections between players, clubs leagues, the agencies, sponsorships, what are you seeing in terms of maybe some of those connections really being made in a way that's maybe a little bit different than, you know, I think a lot of it is not always publicly visible either. A hundred percent. There is a true appetite to understand what it means to be a meaningful partner of women's sports. And I, I share this anecdotally, but when I'm, when we were at the NWSL, when I was selling for the NWSL, I never had one single inbound lead, or, or if I did, it was relatively small and, and, and ultimately didn't result in, in a significant partnership or investment. What my job became was education. And I was, nobody knew what those four letters meant or stood for. Even brands that were investing in soccer or even investing in other women's sports. So the progress that was what, 2017, 2018, like mm -hmm. that, that we're not far removed from removed from that. So I think the landscape undoubtedly has changed. More brands want to better educate themselves if not because they feel like they're missing the boat. Um, so they're at least taking the call and there's a huge appetite for people to say, what am I missing? What is actually going on in this space? So I am able to kind of tap into my 
with that when I put my selling hat on, you know, into that network. But beyond that, people want to understand how they can be advocates. People want to understand how they can make a difference. And oftentimes I talk about your investment doesn't need to just go to um, a, a signage or a field board. It can go to other areas that improve the lives of these women who aren't making millions of dollars, who are having to have side hustles. So I'm definitely still educating, but there's just more of a general appetite to have that conversation and and meaningfully engage. Yeah, there's a lot I want to talk to you about sponsorships because it is kind of funny. Like, I feel like my job started as soccer writer, right? And now I'm kind of like, oh, I'm half lawyer, half business expert. But there's so much of the sponsorship and business side of this that really fascinates me. And one of, I think, the big turning points for the NWSL, at least specifically, was when Budweiser came in. And the couple of campaigns that they launched immediately following 2019 World Cup, but then also this challenge to other brands to sponsor the NWSL. And did you see in terms of like, you know, obviously your time at NWSL that happened kind of after, but coming back into the space of having a sponsor that's willing to maybe think outside the box and say, okay, we're here, where's everyone else? Like, that was something that I feel like Accountability. we had never, yeah. A huge, I, I use that word all the time because I think for a really long time, brands, broadcast partners um, weren't being held accountable. And accountability can, you know, look and feel differently, but Budweiser put the stake in the ground. They, Budweiser knows who they are. They know when they put money behind something, people are going to pay attention and listen and they're going to get, you know, a hundred plus emails the next day from a bunch of different salespeople. But that said, whether this is a smart business decision or not, which it is, we all know that to be the case, but they were saying, who else is going to step up with us? Who, who's coming with us into this new era, this new generation? And they were held accountable and they said, yes, we are putting our money where our mouth is. Again, I, we're going to use our power and influence to ensure the landscape shifts with us. And there needs to be more brands that do that. It, and candidly, I when I was reaching out to brands at the NWSL, I would look for most women, first and foremost. Then I would look for CEOs or CMOs with girls because with daughters, because then, you know, you, I I get that all the time still people saying, well, I have a daughter and now I want, now I care about this. Well, we still have a lot of progress to be made and we need to, you know, it's not about having a kid to to see the value in this. Um, But that, those are my ways in and and you still need an internal advocate because are you going to get your return on investment, whatever that means, like, certain men's sports probably not are you going to get the same level of eyeballs sometimes yes we're seeing an ncaa tournament we're growing but a lot of people go back to those old metrics and tropes and and perspectives um so yeah certainly that changed the game and it started prompting brands to think and look at things differently as opposed to up oh, we put it through our black box and it tells us this isn't good, a good investment like thanks but no thanks Yeah. I mean, it is so wild, I think, especially from, you know, 2019 on like Budweiser, I think, is the first brand that really makes that leap. Right. But then you think about all of the sponsorships that have come in to the NWSL since then. And now what I think is really interesting to kind of watch is we're now kind of it used to be a a sponsor would come in. I think about 
Dunkin' Donuts and the way that they were sponsoring women's hockey, right? And people were like, I'm going to go out and and go to Dunkin' Donuts because of this, or I'm going to go out and buy Budweiser because they're putting both their money and their mouth behind this product, right? Like there really was this kind of buy-in. And now I think we're kind of shifting into this territory where fans are going like, oh, there's a lot of money coming. Like there's a lot of sponsors coming in. And now maybe the tone is a little bit like, well, we've been here the whole time. And what what are y'all doing for us, right? Like, uh, obviously, I'm, I'm sure you follow kind of the big WNBA story in terms of charter flights, right? And then immediately NWL gets that partnership with Delta and everyone's like, okay, so what what's the benefits for the players, right? Like, there is now an expectation of accountability and like, what are you doing as part of this partnership? And... Have, have you kind of noticed maybe a little bit of that change in women's sports of like, maybe the expectations are a little bit higher now on sponsors. It's not just showing up anymore. It's what are you doing? As it should be. I, I think it's inherent to women's sports. There's a social responsibility element, of course, that exists across all, all of women's sports. But beyond that, women's sports fans have had to go through some shit. The barrier to, to watch, to enjoy has been so high for so long. You have to pay to watch. You're watching a, a, a stream that is cutting out. You can't find it's it. sideways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I think I always talk about how passionate women's sports fans are, Woso fans are, and they deserve to reap the benefits. So twofold, yes, the fans should be rewarded because of they continue to have to work really, really hard, right? We're hoping over, someone recently asked me, you know, where do I see women's sports in the next five years? And, and my answer is more accessible to and easier to become a fan at the least. So yes, I think the fans need to be, their, their struggle and, and pain <laughs> over the last X, de- X decades needs to be acknowledged and alleviated some. And then at the end of the day, are women's professional athletes, are female professional athletes and, and female athletes across the board um, treated in an equitable way? Are they treated in a manner that is truly professional? Sometimes, not always. So I, when I'm advising a brand or when I'm talking to a brand, whatever it is, I, I still start with the women always. They're the product. There's nothing that exists without them. And their lives have been exceptionally difficult for a really, really long time and continue to be. Yes, there's a ton of progress, but look at the bar in which we're comparing against. The bar has been super, super low. So when we talk about progress, it's huge, but we're still seeing a Brittany Griner going and having to play overseas. We are still seeing a woman who is top five in her sport. Um, would we be having the same type of conversation if it was a white male in the NFL? Probably not. So, and, and does she need to, you know, supplement her income elsewhere? So there's conversations are very relevant and prevalent and yeah, I, I, every conversation I have, the women are always at the forefront because they still need to, they should have their lives be made easier with every single partnership. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. 
Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of curious just because obviously your job touches a lot more than just women's soccer. And, you know, in so many conversations I've had with hockey players, with, with players from other sports, right, like, you know, tennis is kind of light years ahead. <laughs> WNBA is ahead. Then maybe you have NWSL and then women's hockey. And, and you know, like there is kind of this timeline of progress, right? And like totally. when I think about hockey in particular, it, it is like very far behind in terms of like development of not just a professional league, but in terms of access to your point, right? Um even for, you know, USA Canada games, trying to, if it's outside of the Olympics, how are those presented, that sort of thing. Um, how do you try to navigate where all of those different entities might be at any given time? Are you trying to just say, okay, this is working for the NWL, maybe it applies, or is there something where you can say, this is a best practice for everyone? Yeah, you can't say it, it applies. There's so much nuance that, that exists. And there's such different level of investment willingness to invest. And, and unfortunately, some brands are still saying, I've checked my box with my one partnership and that's my budget for the year. Let's see how it plays. So in part, you know, what really it has excited me about women's ice hockey, which is candidly not something that I was hyper educated on. I've, I've learned more than I ever could have imagined over the last couple of months, good, bad, and, and, and the ugly of it. But um, professional athletes are professional athletes are professional athletes. They're deserving a baseline professionalism and that you can apply across the board. Everyone deserves um, to be paid. Everyone deserves healthcare. Everyone deserves um, great locker rooms and, and to travel in a way that, that doesn't compromise your recovery and all these different things. So yeah, that there should be a standard, uh, you know, best practice, but um, different sports require different levels of um compassion and um, different levels of attention in certain areas. And um, that's just the nature of women's sports. I think that's the nature of all sports. You look at hockey in, in this country and compare that to NFL and, and you're talking about, you know, apples and I don't know, baseballs, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's totally different. So I try to just always look through the lens, always, 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 of the women that are competing. And then I back out from there. And then I always try to, to maintain a, a pretty holistic and, and wide lens view, because if you get too caught up in, in the little stuff, you lose sight of what you're trying to create, which is more sustainable options for women across the board. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the, you know, Sharina Med just, just kind of wrote about the role, Angel City, I think, is such a good and interesting test test case for so much of this conversation, right? Obviously, the news, 35 million in sponsorship year one, right? Like, we're, Shout out, we're getting Angel City, baby. <laughs> we're getting numbers, right, that I think we haven't 
scene in the NWSL and also just in terms of there is that tension around Angel City, right, where the brand is maybe overwhelming the soccer and we're, we're seeing people kind of look at it and feel that like what what's coming first, right? Mm-hmm. And having kind of been on the inside, I'm like those two things have to happen on parallel tracks that also, you know, do interact with each other. But what are your takeaways from a team like Angel City where A, you're getting concrete numbers, but B, it might not necessarily be representative of the whole at this point? Facts. It's such facts. And I can't tell you how many times I've had people ask me about this. Well, what about Angel City? And Angel City, they've done an incredible job. They are setting the gold standard for what, you know, investing in brand and talent both on the field in your front office can look like leveraging celebrity um, making charity and community high priority and they're doing a phenomenal job in showing what that can look like not every team is created equally certainly within the nwsl if you go into the market and say we're selling our kit front and i certainly won't use individual markets but we'll market to the next there's a really significant difference in what those investment numbers look like and not all of the teams have invested as heavily in their front office so you know actually just bringing activations or things to life aren't as simple and as easy so certainly not transferable is it a great goal is it a a great example of of what meaningful and thoughtful investment and resources can do within the space absolutely there's a lot of circumstances that also contribute to their success that aren't always readily available in other markets and with different ownership groups and and that's all of those things can be true at the exact same time so i am i'm a half glass full kind of person. And I'm very much the rising tides raise all ships. And this is a great example of of what everything can look like, but it's unrealistic to think everything looks like that now and can look like that right now. But, but it's a great example of what doing it right can look like. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that there is kind of some fear of, you know, every time Angel City announces a new round of ownership, people are going like, well, that person could have maybe invested in a different team. Like, I think there is that kind of fear of, is everyone just going to go to Angel City? Because now they have turned into kind of this machine of investment. And what is kind of interesting is that I think that there is maybe like a, a small kernel of truth to that, that sure. that becomes sure. this kind of self-fulfilling prophecy of, yeah, they are going to just kind of keep getting more attention because they have figured this out, right? And they're also in a major market, all of that kind of stuff. But that we soccer, already... That, that's progressive. Yeah. yeah, we already have seen it kind of impact other markets. I mean, I think to your point about the charity and community part, that 10% model has already been adopted by other teams as well. Um, Kansas City Current is the one that immediately comes to mind. And... You know, I, I do think that competition within the markets is not necessarily a bad thing either. I mean, look at look at the NBA, you know, I mean, is are, are the Timberwolves in the same atmosphere as the Lakers, you know, from it's small market is it's baseball, it's the NFL, it's it's what's happening in men's sport, right? So, yes, I completely agree because women's sports need more. You want to spread out some of those resources, but 
it's also this call to action and this call to arms of people with money, with deep pockets. Look what Kansas City is doing. They have a phenomenal ownership group that is saying, we're going to go build these facilities. Is Kansas City the best, most beautiful city in the world, like LA or, or, or whatever? Like, no, but they have elevated everything they're doing competitively from a resource perspective to make it a desirable location. So if you do not, as an owner, have those resources available to you, where are you looking? Are you leveraging all of your, your contacts and connections to go and make your team more competitive in a desirable location for free agents or people coming out of school, whatever that looks like? So I completely agree. All of these things can kind of be true at the same time, which they are. Um, but I do also prescribe somewhat to um, how are you elevating your environment to be a better place for these women. And again, I always, always, always bring it back to that because like it, that's who it's about. And, and then it's holding people with money, resource, decision-making accountable. Right. I know we had talked, you know, last fall, kind of immediately following a lot of the NWSL reporting that I had done. And there was kind of this fear a little bit just in terms of people would potentially pull back some sponsorships because of everything that the NWSL was going through that there was you know kind of this sense of like oh is this whole thing going to fall apart like is this a smart investment and I'm just wondering now that we're into March NWSL has a new commissioner on the way Challenge Cup is underway you know we it, it does kind of seem like things aren't done right but there is kind of 10th season vibe still happening at some point, even as as a lot of the resolution is still to come. Have you seen any changes in strategy? I feel like there's a lot more money incoming to the Players Association. Definitely. Via sponsorship directly, right? Like MasterCard incoming for them. Um, is that kind of the main takeaway that, that people should maybe be taking from last fall? And on top of that, I think it speaks to how much more established the league is. I think rightfully so, this fear that the NWSL is going to fold because other iterations as women's soccer fans, I talked about, you know, we've seen it happen. We've seen leagues go away. We've seen teams, uh, uh, leagues fold. So there was that, you know, PTSD of, oh my God, we are shaking our foundation. What's going to happen? Is, is this worth it? If, if we're going to lose everything. And the reality is it's always worth it to hear and listen and believe women. And candidly, there have been so many men that have entered our spaces and got away with a lot of shit for a really long time. And they also are being held accountable. So I talk about this all the time. The best talent that exists in sports, in business and tech, come work within women's sports. For a really long time, it was like, oh, who are we going to get? Nobody's going to want these jobs. Great. Sure. You're phenomenal. Let's not do a deep dive into your background and the complaints and, and mistreating women. Well, that's changing because they're being called out. They are being exposed for their bad behavior. And we are getting more phenomenal talent who want to enter the women's sports space. We are getting more people who want to do right and listen to women. So for me, we talked about this. I am obviously an advocate for, for all women in women's sports, but but when I was in those rooms, internally, externally, whatever, and people are saying, tell us more about this. I was like, this is your chance to lean in. This is your chance to make a difference. This league is highlighting bad behavior and still flying. Do you want to fly with them? 
Or do you want to be afraid of what the ramifications of calling out bad behavior is? So I, I get I get hot on this because to me, it was an incredible opportunity, continues to be an incredible opportunity to bring phenomenal people into the NWSL, women's soccer, women's sport holistically. And it also highlights how poorly women have been treated historically and continue to be treated. But again, great opportunity to bring more people in to make true systemic change. And, and that's what all this shit's about, right? That That's what we're all trying to do. So yeah, I mean, a little bit of scary for sure. A lot of it is scary for people who spoke up and spoke out and what you did and the reporting you did. But um, again, I think that elevates everything. And it's also no different NFL has a scandal every other week, the NBA, different ownership groups. It's it's very comparable to men's sport, which at the end of the day, it's kind of what we want. Yeah, I mean, I, I that's a great jumping off point, just because I do think that there is still this fear of, are we just kind of duplicating the systems of men's sports, right? And, you know, now, I guess my, my thought process is like, we're kind of 10 years in, and it's not to say that something is locked in by any stretch of the imagination, but... There is kind of this, and not to like go in too much to like, you know, fear of uh, capitalism or anything, but like women's sports need money to survive. Like that's just the basic fact, right? Like the investment needs to happen in order for this thing to survive because that is generally how sports have been built in this country. The expectations on women's sports to be immediately successful have been established kind of by mainstream news what like you know the the idea that nwsl had to survive those three years right like that was in every single story until it got past year three that it there is this expectation of if it's not making money it's a failure right. and that was not put on mls right in the same way and you know this is something that you know steph and i talk about all the time but i think is also just kind of this underlying thing of kind of what are we doing here, right? Like, what is our reason for existing? And can all of these nice ideals coexist with brands coming into the space, right? And with kind of all the things that you have to accept in order for sports to survive. And, you know, women's sports don't exist without owners who are very, very rich. Most sports, pretty much every sports team, unless they're community owned, right, does not exist without an owner who is very, very rich. And like, how do you come to terms with that? And I think there is kind of this just ongoing dialogue that women's soccer fans have had since basically the sport existed of how do we kind of have all of these things happening at the same time? It's, it's so complex and, and candidly, it's why me personally, I, transition from men's sport to, to women's sport. And, and that's not to say that I don't still do things in men's sport because I of course do and, and love it and I'm passionate about it. But um, I had a hard time uh, coming to terms with some of those internal challenges. The altruistic Susie had had challenges with, with that. And, and I felt I could work within a women's sport and truly make lasting impact and change and, and difference. So yeah, I, I think that's inherent to all business. It's inherent. And at the end of the day, sports are business. We see that every single day. So it, it's it's a sad byproduct. But for these to become true institutions in our country and, and beyond, there's going to be some shit with it. And, and, and that sucks. But it's the reality of uh, making money, being a business, 
making these women millionaires and multimillionaires and, and creating sustainable options for, for generations to come. Now, social responsibility and being at the forefront of progress is inherent to women's sports just because it's women. And um, we, as women, and, and have had to fight and continue to have to fight a lot more than our male counterparts. So that's inherent. So, so that's this kind of this line that weaves through all of women's sports that, that at our core for me it is, it can't go anywhere because it's, it's enmeshed, it's ingrained in, in the foundation of every one of these institutions. So um, yes, there, there are uh, conflicting um, belief systems or, or realities that exist, but it also doesn't discredit all the good being done, all of the progress being made and what that represents as as women and and growth within these spaces so both can exist at the same time um and, and that makes it i think palatable and now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct tv satellite free direct tv gives you access to apps like netflix and live sports right next to each other i don't get it let me put it in pigeon terms it's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place how am i supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry get live tv and streaming apps together without a satellite visit directtv.com requires high-speed internet connected gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch netflix on direct tv terms and restrictions apply this episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Yeah, I mean, it's messy, but that's also... I mean, that's everything, right? Um, I, I keep thinking about when, you know, some of the players went to the White House this past time and Midge Purse uh, leaning into the the metaphor about how the players before her had um, machetes to kind of get equal pay. And she's like, now I'm just running around with a very sharp pair of scissors, right? Like, you know, the, the torch has been passed and there has been real progress made, but that's not to say that it is perfect. Spot on, spot on. It, it's why, you know, I have conversations on a day to day basis where I think it's important to highlight um, great headlines. And, and that's what you're seeing on the front pages of, of publications and, and, and where people are quoting it and seeing it. And I had people text me like, oh, the the um, settlement with the U.S. Women's National Team. And that's great. I, I mean, hell yeah. Put it everywhere. Have everybody talking about women's sports. Now, are those people really understanding the reality of what's going on within women's sports? Like, it does the, the headlines always match up with the reality? No. So it's important for people like us and, and people who are in the space to continue to yell from the rooftops, this is progress and this is where we are and this is where we can go. And, and keeping all of that into in perspective is still really, really important because we ain't there yet. We're, we're not even close, but... Um, progress is progress is progress. So we'll celebrate those wins and victories too. Yeah. All right. It wouldn't be a conversation between the two of us if we didn't talk about sneakers. Both you and I are currently in the one sneaker life. Between the two of us, we would actually be able to wear one full pair of sneakers as we are both injured. Facts. But I... <laughs> First, I wanted to ask you just in terms of NWSL specific... The, the player entrances have become such a big thing in this league. It's incredible. 
have you been able to like you know use that to your advantage in terms of your role of just like like we gotta get this bigger we gotta use this somehow yes oh my god content content is queen that is what i say all of the time of course and and that's very sellable right now but again i think the fit game and streetwear and style has been hugely celebrated within men's sport and the women were like uh hold my beer and the the fits have gone crazy and i think this opens the door beyond the endemic sponsor you know so business speak you know what 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 is core to soccer right those are endemic sponsors well this shows this woman who represents this league is multifaceted multi-dimensional um takes pride and confidence in what she wears, how she shows out. And again, equitable to what the men are doing. That is celebrated. That is highlighted on league fits and blitz fits and, and whatever. And the women are doing the exact same thing and blowing it out and blowing it up. So brands, when they're seating you with your cleats and your, you know, endemic soccer products, send the dunks, send the Yeezys, send the streetwear because these women are looking fly as hell. Yeah. It's incredible. All right. What was the last pair of sneakers that you you went for? You got you won on sneakers. Yeah, like, what I is your track got, record lately? Great question. I just got the Concepts uh, Air Max One Heavies, which are fire. Concepts Boston Store, love it. And um, I actually, I have. We've talked about this pretty extensively. I have a credit waiting for me at StockX, and I can't decide on the shoe. <laughs> I'm deciding between maybe some Sakai's, the first releases, maybe some off-white dunks. I'm open to any and all recommendations, but it's got to be like a, 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 a mini grail shoe for, for me to, to put the credit towards. So, <laughs> Yeah, I, we were talking before we actually started recording, and um, I'm expecting to take my my L's the next two days on sneakers for both the, the new threes and the Air Maxes for Air Max Day. Although What's that the, one, like Air Max Day, maybe like I feel like that's a better shot. What was your last we'll pickup? What was your last good shoe? Um, I did just pick up the New Balance No Bad Days, but I am waiting. Wow. They're in storage right at the moment because those are my when I am back to being able to wear two shoes. Those are my reward that will be waiting for me. I don't want to tap into them while it's just one shoe. So that's my like motivation <laughs> to get myself out of the water. I don't have boot. enough self-control just... for that. I, I picked <laughs> up these shoes and I just got left shoes all over the place and, and all my left shoes are getting creased and my right shoes are pristine. So uh, I don't have the self-control. I will say like I now already have the reputation at physical therapy that I'm going to roll in with one really good sneaker. And so now they come out to look at me in the waiting room before my appointment starts to see what one sneaker I put on for them. How good is that for the ego? You've just got <laughs> It's so good. It justifies every time you look at your credit card bill and you're like, oh, shit, I picked up that many shoes this month. But it's worth it when you get your shine. So I'm really pleased and, and happy for you. For, for, yeah, for I mean, I just have to. Once Gotham games start again and I have Aaron West like creeping on me from his seat where there was one game where I didn't even realize he was behind me yet. And then all of a sudden I looked at Twitter and there was a photo of me in (laughs) a pair of dunks and he was just like, Meg, (laughs) I I love it. We haven't been together in person in far too long, but 
when we are we are going to be flexing very hard one shoe or two if we have four between <laughs> us or two between us we're going to be flexing together and i cannot wait for that day all right well Susie, thank you for hopping on the pod i'm i'm glad that we got our sneaker talk in i know we were both like very ready for that but uh appreciate it and also sending you good vibes in advance for your physical therapy I am sending you the same. I appreciate you. (laughs) Keep doing incredible work. You are an inspiration and I adore you. All right. Thank you to Susie for her time. Again, we've been trading injury recovery stories for a while now. So if you do have opinions on what sneakers she should be getting, though, with that stock X credit, I I have weighed in with her, but it sounds like she's open to additional suggestions. All right, one more thing. USA-Mexico is tonight, of course, and Paul, Sam, and Felipe from our soccer division are all on site for The Athletic in Mexico City covering this game. Now, if you would like to figure out who could lock in a spot for the World Cup qualifying for the men, my editor Alex has the world's most absurd chart. I'm linking to it in the show notes because I just want you to look at it and see what your brain does on it with first with just its first initial reaction, because you might have actually seen it on my Twitter. It has been 16 hours since I have seen it, and it still makes my brain hurt. But this is definitely the game in American soccer this week, and also we will not discuss how jealous I am of everyone's taco photos, because I don't want to talk about it. All right, for all things full-time, you can visit fulltimepod.com. There are links for all of the major podcast platforms in one spot, plus more information. If you would like to subscribe to The Athletic and support all of our women's soccer coverage, you can do that right now at theathletic.com slash fulltime. It's always our best deal on that page, I promise. All right, my name is Meg. You have been listening to Full Time with Meg Linehan. You can always find me on Twitter and Instagram at It's Meg Linehan. My work at The Athletic, most of my Instagram content, honestly, is my one single sneaker next to my walking boot. But, you know, that's that's what my life is these days. Full Time does not exist without the work and support of senior podcast producer Michael Zimmerman from The Athletic. I'm Meg Linehan. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.